Welcome to Business of Design. Business of Design is the world's best business training for interior design professionals like you. The Business of Design podcast offers immediate, actionable strategies and a glimpse into some of the many field-tested, proven systems you can implement to transform your business and your life. After the show, head to businessofdesign.com and get started with the BOD 15-step project management strategy and six foundational programs. Together, they deliver the systems, procedures, and strategies you need to run a successful, highly profitable design business. There's no theory here. The complete BOD business model is yours through Business of Design membership. Business of Design. There's only one. And now, your BOD Advocate-in-Chief, Kimberly Selden. Well, hello, you fabulous interior design professional. Welcome to Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here because we are going to talk about how to get lit up with Genevieve Wild. Not the way you're thinking, actually. Genevieve is a lighting designer from Sydney, Australia. She's also an amazing human being and a BOD boss member. And I had the opportunity to see the results of her involvement on projects. And I was blown away at the difference quality lighting can make to a project. Now, I know that. And I think my lighting's pretty good. But after hearing this conversation with Genevieve, you may come away like I did thinking, it's not quite good enough. I need to do more. I need to do better. The good news is Genevieve gives us some tips, things we can do right this minute, even if you don't want to go to the next step of hiring rather a lighting designer, which I am going to do, by the way. I've got a project coming up and I'm sending those drawings to Genevieve for her input. I mentioned to the clients that while we are waiting for the permit, we have this opportunity to fine-tune some of our work. And one of the things we strongly recommend is using a professional lighting designer because they're just going to do a better job at switching and creating scenes. And they were immediately convinced that that was a great choice. So I'm excited about that. And you know I will report back and tell you how that goes. Genevieve says her first career was flipping houses and running a horse stud farm. And somehow she decided that studying lighting design was going to be the next chapter for her. And her business has really taken off. Definitely check out her website, wildlyilluminating.com.au. You can also find her on Instagram at wildly underscore illuminating. If you're driving, don't worry. All of this information is in the show notes. Genevieve is a natural mentor, and not only do they do these full-service design projects where they dig into the lighting design for the whole project, but they also do some small-scale boutique consultations, and she runs Lunch and Learns so interior design professionals can benefit from her year's experience. This is an amazing episode, and I'm so glad you're going to get to meet Genevieve. Let's do that right after Cheryl makes some announcements. Thanks for being here. Well, since we are talking with a BOD boss today, let's start there. Uh, We're really excited that we're launching a BOD boss group in Australia. We'll be launching in October 2023 in Sydney, Australia. So if you are one of our many members in Australia and you are interested in joining a boss group, this is your chance to get in on an exclusive group that will take place in Australia. Again, we'll be launching this year and we are already accepting applications uh, following our two-day BOD 15 seminar in Sydney. The group was really excited and wanted us to bring boss to them. So uh, we do already have a head start on a pretty amazing group that you 
definitely want to be part of. Full details are on the website, businessofdesign.com. Click on boss in the main menu and complete details are there as well as the application. All of the details are the same, uh, regardless of whether or not you're joining one of our uh, regular boss groups or this exclusive Australia group. Uh, details are there. We would love for you to join us or by all means, reach out to me with questions. Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, March 22nd, we're doing BOD Live. And I've gotten a lot of interest on this one because we're going to be talking about the intake process. We're going to be joined by Portia Williams of The Prototype and a couple of her team members who are going to talk about what it means to outsource your intake process. They have worked with so many BOD members and BOD boss members at this point that they really have customized their process specifically to go along with the BOD 15. Um, You've heard Portia on the podcast previously also talking about the gifting process. Uh, We're happy to answer questions about that because again, they've customized that for the BOD 15, but uh, most specifically, we're gonna be talking about the intake process. Uh, We do get a lot of questions, so I thought it would be great to have Portia join me and answer some of those questions directly. So that's coming up tomorrow. Uh, You do not have to register, but you do need to be a BOD member and you can simply go into your dashboard and click to join right before the meeting gets started. Uh, I'm going to mention one more upcoming event. Uh, We will be at High Point on Monday, April 24th, 11 a.m. It's payday with Kimberly. So uh, we are going to be talking about the importance of paying yourself first and what that salary should look like. So it's gonna be a great one. We haven't been at High Point in a little while, so we are so excited to go back. Again, that's April 24th and complete details are on the website. Thanks so much. Well, hello, Genevieve, how are you? I'm Kimberly, fabulous, thank you. Great to see you. Nice to see you too. It's uh, afternoon here for me in Los Angeles, but it's morning for you. What time is it? It is 7.45, breakfast time or breakfast on the go. (laughs) Yeah, you look like you're ready to go already. Good for you. Yep, we start early around here. I've got my daughter's swimming carnival today, so there was uh, no hanging about. Oh my gosh, goodness. Okay, well, we better get into it then because you have a whole day in front of you. We're going to talk about lighting design because when I met you, which was October... uh, For the first time we met here in Santa Monica, as a matter of fact, Genevieve... Genevieve is in a BOD boss group. You were talking about what you do. And I know all of us who were there were kind of like, whoa, wait a minute, I need to be hiring you. So tell everybody what you do for a living. I'm a a lighting designer. So not as in designing the light fitting, but as in specifying and assisting with all of the design elements. And we specialize in high-end residential. We do do some bespoke commercial projects when they're really little and special. Uh, but otherwise, we really love doing houses and making it work for the client and making it really personalized. I think it all came together for us in that meeting, in that first boss group meeting, when you were showing some slides of your projects. And I'm like, the way things were lighted. Oh, sorry about that. I'm going to turn that off. The way things were lighted, if that's the right way to say it were illuminated was so beautiful. And I thought, hmm, I don't know if my projects are getting that kind of a spark from some of our lighting installations. We could do better. And that's what I think all of us came away with thinking, wow, we could really put a little more attention into this category and do better. So can we start with just what do you think are some of the basic challenges 
other design professionals might have when it comes to lighting interiors? I think the biggest one that that we see is always people trying to uh, initially plan lighting on a plan and they're looking at lighting in a plan view and we live lighting in a 3D version. So for starters, try not to think about how it lines up on plan. Oh, really I'm so is. guilty of that. Like, <laughs> I know you, what you're saying is true. I've heard it before. And yet when I do lighting plans on paper, it's always symmetrical. Mm-hmm. You'll be glad to know you're up there with the, the best architects, interior designers. It's very <laughs> common. <laughs> but what we see is we say, yep, we always look at what we want to light first. Are you lighting a task area? Are you lighting a beautiful piece of art? And how do you do that in its best possible way? And then have a look at the plan and go, you know what, if we lined that one up or moved it 100 this way, it wouldn't make a difference to the effect that we're, we're getting. But now you can look at lining it up. So then everything comes together. But yeah, keep in mind what you're lighting first. Okay, so start with a focus on what you're lighting. <laughs> Let go of trying to make it line up perfectly. What are the other things you see that we need to like kind of consider Another interesting one is, so so we find once someone engages a lighting designer, they've obviously considered lighting and they're taking it to the next level. And when you do that, you're getting beyond just a bank of downlights or um, just some decorative pendants in a space or wall sconces. And you're actually getting those layers of light. You've got all of those elements and probably some LED strip as well. And too often people will say, just keep it simple. I just want normal switching. And we say, no, you don't want that. You're going to end up with it looking like a NASA space shuttle at your front door. <laughs> <laughs> so we say sometimes you have to think about controls. So we always talk to clients about where, where they're sitting um, with the functionality of their home and what level of control they want over their home and whether it suits then to take it into scenes. So then you're really utilising all the lights you have in your room and not having crazy switches that no one can remember. And I love it when clients say, can I put um, a label on the light switch? Because really, it shouldn't be that hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. You've used the term scene a couple of times. What do you mean when you say scene? Okay, so where we take it from old school lighting, where if you just want the downlights on, you hit a switch. If you then want the pendant on, you hit a switch. And if you want the LED strip in the joinery on, you'll hit another switch. You end up with all of these switches controlling a group or one type of light. That's particularly if you want dimming, and I would always suggest dimming. Um, a scene is when you can hit one switch, but the whole room comes to life. It's particularly successful in spaces that uh, we find in, in houses predominantly now where you have that combined open plan living dining kitchen space so that you don't have to hit a whole lot of switches and dimmers to make the evening feel lovely in that space when you know you're going to have the whole room lit up to some extent and not big dark spots. Why not have one switch where you hit that and the scene comes to life so the dining table pendant has a a lovely half dim setting but the kitchen island has some good light so you're preparing dinner, the joinery is glowing and looks beautiful and you may even have the garden scene on, so you're looking through the beautiful glass doors, and everything comes to life, and all you've had to do is hit one switch. It makes life so much more simple. Okay, I want that. Come, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna just admit that I'm not doing enough in this regard. I suddenly realized, like, oh my gosh, I hope none of my clients ever hear this because I don't have that in my projects, but I want that for my clients, and I want that for my life. Okay, so 
So tell us what you do. What's your approach to building a lighting package that makes sense for your clients? Okay. Yep. With, with like with your step program, which I can't wait to listen to live next year or next year, this year in Sydney, next month. I next mean. month. I know. <laughs> I'm already month. like thinking I need to pack. I'm ready to go. Absolutely. Get ready for those kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with, with the package again, yeah, seeing things through, we offer the, the whole package. Often sometimes clients like to come in halfway or architects or interior designers like to just get us a little bit of help with, for them on the side as opposed to going straight to the client. But we do the from concept phase to come up with the design and review that with a preliminary budget through to the whole documentation set and specification. And then we found it really successful being resi to be, if we can, in control of the whole project and then go through to construction phase and to assist with procurement and then be there at the very end for commissioning, which is where we set those scenes and we adjust all the lights and angle them to light what we intended to, to make look special in the space. Oh, wow. I'm thinking of a project. We're doing a build of a, a fairly small house, um, maybe three and a half, four million. And mm-hmm. we've already presented and the clients are happy. And now we've got to go to committee adjustments and get the permits and all that kind of stuff, which is a lengthy process. But I could, in theory, send you all of our drawings and you take a look at our preliminary um, lighting plan and you would tackle then the switching plan and you'd make recommendations based on how to build the scenes you mentioned. Yes, correct. That's okay. absolutely. I'm sending you. I'm sending you a drawing package shortly. <laughs> I really yeah, it's am. Interesting, because we find we come in at the start. Well, no, we hate it when when we're brought in without the interior designer. We're we're at that stage and level now that if there's no interior designer on the project or if the architect isn't really leading the design, it's so hard if a client calls up and says, "Here's my plans. Do some lighting." You go. Well, where's the furniture? What color are the finishes? <laughs> yeah, I it's like really. It's holistic. You need everything together. So obviously, to get the best result, it's amazing when you get to work with an interior designer and an architect. That's a, a huge success. And a an, uh, landscape architect, then that brings everything together because we do the landscape lighting too. Oh, but uh, yeah, starting at start with the plans, and and then uh, we also come back later in the pro- program process when you're doing the joinery package and that sort of thing and we review shop drawings for lighting as well. I could see how you could be kept busy forever working exclusively for interior designers and architects and never having to work directly with a consumer which seems like a great option. It is great but the interesting thing we've found I thought that was fabulous to start with because you're then obviously dealing with the the educated people which is fantastic because they totally get your value add and understand where you're coming from whereas sometimes clients don't quite understand this because it's all a bit new um, but then on the the flip side because we're doing a person's home it can be a bit tricky if we're kept at arm's length from the client because at the end of the day they're the ones who are going to say well I don't have enough light here I can't see or didn't you know I had an artwork there I didn't because I never spoke with you. So in the ideal world, it's a a full team collaborative um, design effort. Mm -hmm. I understand that. For the first time ever, I had a client who said um, she really, really can't see. She has some issues with her eyes. She needs her bathroom lit up in... She she just kept saying extremely bright, extremely bright. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to handle that. So what do you do in those cases? 
Okay, so the yeah, it's interesting because we we are at this end of the market where it is a lot of forever homes. Um, so unfortunately, <laughs> that's how we go. The eye does age <laughs> along with the rest of us, and so we're, believe we're very me, mindful. my it's not my eyes that's most troubling <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the least of your worries exactly <laughs> oh yes well so so with that in mind we do actually keep in mind there's areas that you could be more creative in designing some of the lighting for homes but we're actually mindful of keeping them safe as well so areas like stairways trying to keep those safe uh, task areas really focusing on having really good lighting in those task areas so that you can see even when it comes down to later in life and reading medicine labels and things in the bathroom. Yeah, (laughs) it's a real thing. (laughs) What I've noticed too is some of those things you just talked about, like stair lighting, not even expensive, but it's a game changer in terms of quality of living. Mm, Absolutely. And it's another area that's really interesting because most people put one light source there. And we always say wherever possible, if you can even put two light sources, if something is like a decorative pendant, but then you have some stair washers, it just adds that texture of light, which really brings the space together. Uh, Night lights also for making your way to the lavatory or uh, just being able to use the bathroom without having to turn on pot lights or whatever. That's another thing that costs pennies. But if you forget to do it when you're at the build stage, it's a real bother to include it afterwards. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly right. And we're all for night lights, whether it's for younger or older members of the family. Absolutely. But I didn't get, um, I didn't answer your your bathroom quandary. In trying to light a space, what's really interesting is that the studies have shown the way our eye perceives light is around 70% more efficient on the vertical surface. So if you're trying to brighten a room, you've probably seen those rooms where, as you call them, pot lights, we call them down lights. If you have all of those in the classic grid pattern in the middle of a room and the walls are dark, it makes it feel very cavey and very closed in. Um, and if you use the same fittings and you actually push them to the walls and you lighten up the walls, the room will feel so much bigger and brighter. It's amazing just the location of the fitting and what it can do. So often we can use less lights and make the room feel better and brighter. So in that instance, having some sort of general light in the ceiling that is is lighting the bathroom, but then also having the face lighting and some down lighting over that base and vanity area will bring light in all directions around your client and and will help make it feel brighter. So as long as the walls, for sure, have light on them. Interesting. I definitely think that we are putting our pot lights too far away from the walls then. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rethink that. <laughs> You're not that the only ones. Well. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to rethink that as well. So what about those mirrors you see sometimes now um, with lighting either coming from behind, I would think that's not a great solution, but maybe if the lighting were coming through the mirror and around the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Yep, you've got it. We, we say the one with the, the edge lit mirror, that looks beautiful where it looks like the halo and it's floating. That's a classic winner for a powder room where you just have to apply some lipstick and that's everything's good. But definitely to have the, the lighting in the front face of the mirror is excellent for makeup and grooming. Well, you know, I've really, I do call pot lights hag lights because I think that the light that comes from them is not flattering. It hits you on the top of the head and it makes a dark shadow on 
underneath your eyes. So I'm a big fan of table lamps and floor lamps, but I often find there's a bit of pushback from clients. You know, they think that that switch on the wall is going to take care of all their lighting needs. So then the the other alternative, as um, my now 11-year-old first said when she saw them, is uplights where you wall mount an uplight and you use the ceiling for reflectance and you actually get a great level of light but around the whole room and the face looks so much better to the point where we're in my studio right now and I've put uplight across our, our chair rail down the whole studio. So we, we work by uplights in the studio. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Where do you... Put the uplights in a room, like where I'm assuming you you want to hide it because they're not gorgeous, or are they? Uh, no, that's an excellent point. It depends on on the the price bracket. So there are some gorgeous Italian plaster set ones where you just get the slot in the wall and you place them at around. Oh, I don't know. I have to think about your uh, your height. So I'd have to say above the head of the average person. I can't think in feet right now. <laughs> so oh yeah, okay. So like six six one, six above two, six, that kind of thing. Three six two, yeah, six three. <laughs> so yeah, above above that. Um, or the other way we work too is we would say what would it be two feet below finished ceiling height because that gives you a really nice distance where the light can get the output reflecting across the ceiling. If you get it too close, obviously you get that hot spot in the corner. So that's no good. Oh, I love it. Um, or do you have favorite scenes that you like to pull together? I mean, I assume there's a party scene where your friends are coming over and you want the lights to be glowing, but is there, are there other scenes that you particularly like and use frequently? Oh, we've had the funniest scenes. It's, I think it's always the joy of the commissioning phase. A, you get the happy clients. So I say it's probably the best moment and I should start taking our feedback form to the commissioning because it's always when it comes together. That's the magic moment and everyone's, you know, oh, can I get you a champagne? Can I get you a gin and tonic? Uh, yes. yes, yes. I love the commissioning. <laughs> and then it's hilarious because we say, okay, what would you like to call this scene? And we've had someone had a party scene and then they decide they wanted a party harder scene. <laughs> and then we're in the country and someone wanted a cognac scene. <laughs> I love them all. But I want like a morning after scene. What's yes, that look like? Yes. <laughs> Is that really bright, like color changing lights? <laughs> no, I think it would be kind of like dim and soft and no noise kind of thing. I don't know. Oh, too funny. I would like, yeah. I would like um, you look 30 again scene. How about that one? Oh, you and me both. I think we could make a fortune out of that one. <laughs> oh, my Absolutely. gosh. Absolutely. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> What's coming up in the future for Wildly Illuminating? Uh, more fabulous projects. Uh, thanks thanks to BOD. Uh, we're just going from strength to strength, and our projects are getting more, uh, what do I say, larger in scale and more refined in, in detail and finishes. And it's so exciting. Some really beautiful projects. Uh, we've expanded more down the south coast of New South Wales. So we're getting to do some lovely beachfront um, homes. Whereas uh, before that, we've focused on Sydney and city, beautiful city homes and apartments and doing more and more down in the Southern Highlands, which is about two hours south of Sydney. It's beautiful and green, very lush environment. We've got some really lovely big country homes down there. So it's really exciting getting to work with different interior finishes and looks because it was really interesting once, <clears throat> excuse me, really interesting once when I had a, a client call and say, oh, I've looked at your website, but uh, you don't seem to have done any mid-century modern. I don't know if you'd be right for our house. I said, no, this is a fabulous thing about 
being uh, independent lighting designers is that we work across every kind of design mm-hmm. and every kind of yeah des- design um, era and look. And that's the exciting part because we'll research what the looks are, we'll speak to all the designers on board and the client about what they're after. And then, yeah, doing the research and finding the fixtures and getting the look is so exciting. It means we get to work across everything. So yeah, we love it. You're a good person to ask about narrowing your niche because it seems to me that you have become, you said you've become more focused and more refined. So talk to the listeners about that. Because I know sometimes the temptation is to try to appeal to everyone out of a fear that maybe somehow you're not going to get enough. So what have you found instead in terms of narrowing and refining your focus? Kimberly, that's an excellent one. And it it didn't actually occur to me until I was in uh, Santa Monica with you and my fabulous boss group. And I was thinking, oh, I feel like I'm very very different to the interior design group. And then I, I realized, no, I'm not. I'm actually a really niche down version of an interior design <laughs> because I'm just specializing in lighting. And yes, I do. Um, I've heard your podcast where you've talked about, you know, sometimes you've just got to take a, a project for the money or where, wherever you're up to in the business. And for sure, we started out and I was doing, you know, if a builder just needed a set out for downlights in an apartment, we'd do it um, or an architect or interior designer whatever was needed. And then I think it's just that building. So once you've got more experience, you've got the photographs to show the work you've done and you just keep going step to step to step and just keep looking for those. Yeah, I think it actually happened quite organically the more that the more work you do if you keep channeling yourself. So I actually said to the team this week, we're now at the point where not having to, you know, just do plans that are handmarked up because that's not a great success for um, architects and interior designers now are actually doing the whole CAD package and it's better outcome for everyone, but it just takes time and progress. And I think just, like you said, not focusing and not doing too many of the jobs you don't want, keep trying to do the limited version of that end of the scale and heading towards the ones that are your ideal clients and projects. Mm-hmm. And as you are getting more experience and getting the, the, the ideal customers phoning you, you're continuing to raise your rates course I am Kimberly. <laughs> so glad. I wouldn't dare not do that. <laughs> right? What well, is funny, you know, we were in Las Vegas a couple days ago and it's been a long time since we've been speaking to really big crowds and a couple hundred people. Um, and then the week before it was in Toronto at the Interior Design Show, same size crowd. I was really surprised because I'm so, in the last few years, I've been so focused on the BOD boss groups and that mentality. And I, this was back to people who didn't know us and maybe didn't have a lot of experience. And some of the fees people are charging, it's like, what have we not heard anything, but you know, it just goes around and around. So there's still more work to do. I bet you're an influence on your boss group. Are are some of them thinking that they may need to narrow their focus a little bit? Yeah, quite possibly. I was just thinking too about what you're saying with the, the fees. I think that's exactly right. I know when I had no confidence and I was first in moving into lighting and I charged something like $60 an hour and I can really see how you need to just have that brand and image and even if it is a little bit, dare I say, that sort of fake it to make it, that people believe in you if you believe in you. So if you if you market yourself as as a thing and being worthy of this fee, they really believe it and it's and I'm sure you are. It's just 
our nature to to undersell ourselves. But absolutely, I think the the more you charge, the more people actually have confidence in you. Yeah. And what you said is so true. I'm sure you are. And if you're not, you fake it till you make it. But what I found is raising my rate actually forced me to get better and stronger faster because I had this obligation, right? And I had people expecting me to be better. So I I couldn't, there's no more excuses. No, you had to to be that person. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm so excited. I get to see you in a few weeks. And, uh, you know, we like to end every episode with design intervention. So what's just a great piece of business advice you want to give anybody listening? Oh, there's, there's too many out there. I always love listening to those on your podcast. Um, there's, there's many out there. I think an interesting one I learned was once uh, on a project, a, a client's light fitting was held up and delayed and they were feeling really frustrated. And you get caught in that point of, oh, my goodness, you know, it's for them, you're going, seriously, in my world, it's just one light fitting, you know, you'll get it, it's coming, just hang in there. And instead I, I turned it around and went, you know what, they've got construction fatigue, they're feeling stressed, they just want the project finished. And I said, you know what, I get it. I said, I, I feel your displeasure, your, you know, your energy. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry for you that it's like this. And I never knew that saying that could make them feel so at ease. And I even said it to one of my colleagues. They were so um, appreciative of just my, my empathy in the moment. And, you know, to me, it wasn't, wasn't that much, but to them, it meant a lot. So I think just understanding that our clients aren't used to construction, whereas we're in it every day, and that it is really quite a big, overwhelming, stressful uh, part of their life at that time and moment in time. And so just to have that empathy to be able to go, you know what, I get it. I get it. Are you okay? Things okay, you know. It's um, just, yeah, being there for them. <laughs> it's important, right, to be able to put yourself in their shoes. They want to feel heard. And even if you yes. can't change the outcome, you know, you can't get the appliance to arrive sooner or the light fixture to arrive sooner. Just for them to know that you care, I think, yes. makes a difference. That's it. Yeah, that, that really is it. And it hadn't occurred to me until that point. I was like, Okay. Yeah. It's just the human element. Absolutely. (laughs) So good. Oh, I'm so excited to see you. What's the weather going to be like when I get to Sydney? Oh, beautiful for you. Of course. (laughs) So happy. (laughs) You know, my husband has a niece. Well, she's my niece too, but she moved to Sydney like a month ago. So I get to see her and then a good friend's daughter moved to Byron Bay. So I'll get to see her and her little boy. So I feel like I've got all these good friends in Australia now. Lots of reasons to go. Absolutely. (laughs) We can't wait to see you down here. It'll be fantastic. (gasps) Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and supporting the BOD mission to improve the industry one design business at a time. If you're ready to implement an exact business model for running a streamlined, profitable business, field tested by thousands of design professionals around the world, head to businessofdesign.com and get started today. It's time to dramatically improve your business and transform your life.